Father, we thank you for the presence of your Spirit. Father, we depend upon the Spirit of God to teach and to instruct and to lead us and guide us in all truth. Father, we thank you that it's the greatest power and greatest blessings you've given to mankind uh, besides our salvation. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for our Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in fact, uh, in praying that, you know, the salvation, even the salvation of accepting the Lord Jesus, uh, the, the end goal of that, according to Galatians 3.14, was to get the Spirit of God in us. And so that was always the goal that prophesied way back in, in Ezekiel about uh, that he'll put a, a new spirit in us and to put his spirit in us. Uh, and in order for that to happen, all of redemption had to take place, salvation had to occur, we had to become born again, have, have a new spirit to be qualified then, to, um, then to, to receive the Spirit of God, amen? So the, all of salvation, all the work up to salvation was there to qualify us to be able to receive um, the, uh, the new birth. Uh, and so uh, it's really a great blessing. In fact, I was uh, listening to somebody, uh, you know, I'm not much up on my uh, Catholic doctrine, but they were, they were talking about, um, there's a phrase that Catholics use, called Immaculate Conception. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Uh, well, it's not talking about Jesus. It's actually talking about Mary. Uh, and, and the doctrine is, well, it's their belief. It's not doctrine because it's not biblical, but their belief is that, that Mary was born perfect so that she could uh, birth Jesus perfectly. Uh, and, and, of course, I understand the reasoning because Jesus needed to be perfect, right? He needed to be a perfect Lamb of God so he couldn't have the sin nature in him and so instead of trying to find out what the, what the Bible says about that, well, let's just make it up, right? And so, <laughs> you know, if you don't understand something, the best thing is just leave it on a shelf, right? There's plenty of things I, I read in the Word of God. It's like, you know, I don't really know what that means, so let's just leave it alone. Uh, the alternative is, well, I don't know what that means, so let's just say it means this. I mean, that's, you know, that's one way to do it. That's probably not the best way to do it. Uh, and so uh, if they would read Romans chapter 5, it says that, that, uh, that sin... That for by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. If they would understand that, they would understand that the sin nature is transferred from generation to generation by the male. So all you women are the hook. Uh, which then, because it makes sense, right? Because then you understand why it was necessary to have a virgin birth, right? So he had to have a virgin birth. And Mark can go through all of this. We've been through this many times before, but uh, he had to be born of a virgin so that... Uh, he didn't have a natural father so that the sin nature wasn't passed down to him so that he could have a body that was like Adam because the Bible says he's the last Adam. Uh, and so he had to have a body without the sin nature so that he'd be qualified to be the perfect sacrifice. So, all, of course, all that makes sense. And that's, that, that's the reasoning why you know, the, the Catholics came up with that, that phrase, immaculate conception, so that Jesus could be born without sin. Well, that, well that's true, but you know, they, they uh, went the wrong direction to find the answer, amen, and they should have just gone to the Word of God and they found the answer. Uh, and, um, and they said, well, it's got to be so because people have believed that for thousands of years. So people have been wrong for a thousand years too, right? And so, uh, yeah. What's that? Yeah, the earth is flat, right? And the earth is the center of the universe and how many other things, right? Uh, uh, men can be uh, women, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things that people have been wrong about for a long time, so... Uh, that one's a fairly new one, but they'll find out eventually that they're wrong. So, uh, but anyway, so um, well, let's open up a Bible to the Book of Philippians. Uh, we'll continue there today, and there's just one other point that I wanted to make. Uh, we had gotten down to uh, 
verse 5, I think, here. Philippians chapter 4. Get over there, verse 5 there. Um, uh, actually, it's uh, in verse 4 where it says, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I said rejoice. Uh, and, and I was looking up some information related to this, uh, you know, uh, in studying. I usually just use my, um, my, com- my computer and my Bible software, but sometimes you're looking for other things and you can Google some things. And so I was just looking up for some historical context of something. And... Um, <clears throat> Uh, and so this fellow gave me the context of that, which is what I needed to know. But then he, he started the paragraph out with this, with this statement. He said, God allows difficulties and suffering in the lives of his people to purify them. Uh, and, and how many people in a church believe that statement? That God allows difficulties and suffering in the lives of his people with the goal of purifying them. So that's the goal. So, so it's not that when, they, when he says allows you know, there, uh, and I don't like that word because the Lord does allow a lot of things to happen, but that implies that's still his desire. I want this to happen, so I'm just going to let it happen. Uh, and, and that's really not, that's not very clear uh, from a doctrinal standpoint. Uh, a better way to say it would be uh, God is unable to intervene because of the choices that we make. Uh, and so he has to allow it because if we choose to do something, he can't override our will. He will not override your will. Amen. So if you want to backslide, uh, you know, he, now he will, he will encourage you not to do that. He will send people to encourage you not to do that. But at the end of the day, if you want to do that, then you'll do that. Amen. Nobody can make you do that. Even the Lord can't make you do that. Uh, can the Lord make you accept him as your savior? He can't do that. He'll encourage you to do that. He'll exhort you to do that. The people around you would do the same thing, but they can't make you do that. So he's not allowing you to backslide in that sense, right? He does in the sense that uh, he's not going to intervene, but it's not like he's deciding, no, I'm just going to let it backslide. It's more from the standpoint of, of uh, I've come up to the edge of their will. There's nothing further I can do. And so, uh, but uh, so much of the church believes a statement like that, that God allows difficulties and suffering in the lives of his people to purify them. And yet there's no scriptural foundation for that at all. You know, people talk about Job, and then sometimes we'll talk about what Jesus said about Paul, about that he's going to suffer for things uh, for the gospel. Uh, but uh, the, the Lord wasn't using those things to purify Paul. He was sending Paul into difficult situations, but Paul, first of all, were purified automatically when we received the Lord Jesus, amen? And so we're washed by the, by the Word, right? We're washed by the Spirit of God, by the blood of Jesus. So we're made clean in that regards, uh, but even, you know, not just in purification, but, uh, but that's, what, that's what that fellow said, that the goal of, of the difficulty and the suffering was to purify us. That, that's, really, that's really short circuits or, or, or short, uh, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Um, it, it's, it, it's short-sighted about um, and cheapens what God's, the, God, the work that God has already done. So if he sent Jesus to us, uh, to purify us, well, that's one thing. If he sent his spirit, the Spirit of God in us to teach us to get us out of things and to cause us to repent, well, repentance is a way to purify yourself. Uh, if he sent his word to instruct us, his, his, so we've got, his, we've got the Lord Jesus himself, we've got the word of God, we've got the Spirit of God. Those three tools are what God uses to perfect the saints and the fivefold ministry gifts, right, which is he sent in, in Ephesians 4.11 to perfect the saints, right, to cause them to grow up. If none of those things are sufficient, then, uh, then what's left? 
I mean, if God can't get you with his word and, and get you by his spirit and get you by the, by the Lord Jesus himself to change and to, to improve your life, how, how is breaking your leg or causing you to have cancer, how is that going to help? Amen? Uh, and besides that, what, how much cancer does God have in heaven? How much, you know, he's not putting you through difficulties to, to fix you, to help you. That's like burning the house down to, to, you know, get rid of the dirt. I mean, you could do it that way, right? I mean, but that, that would be a terrible way to do it, amen? And yet, that's what people do all the time. They say, well, God's destroying us. He's harming me in order to help me. But that's, that's just, I, I don't know why people believe such things. Because there's no, you know, and like, anytime you see this, there's no scriptural basis. They don't give you some references. They don't give you stories from the Word of God. They don't show you, you know, by example, uh, and, and you can't use Job because, you know, we've talked about that many times. It's not, it's not a valid uh, story in that way because none of the suffering that, that Job went through uh, caused him to get better. Only after he repented is, is what caused him to get better. Well, then why can't you repent five seconds after one thing happens? You know, he could have repented any time before it even happened, right? Uh, uh, and, but, of course, he didn't, and those things happened. After the first thing happened, he could have repented then before he lost everything else. You know, he, it was like two or three different things, uh, major uh, destructive things that occurred in his life before he uh, then went through several chapters of his friends telling him he's sorry. But after any one of those disasters, he could have repented then and avoided all the other disasters. Uh, and so uh, I know we say that a lot around here, but it, it's such a pervasive idea in the church that God is using, uh, uh, God is allowing difficulties and suffering in the lives of his people to purify them. That is such a lie. It's such an affront to, to the character of God, that God loves us. He desires good things for us. Will he chastise us? 100% he'll chastise us. How does he chastise us? Well, the easiest thing to do is, is who, who is the embodiment and, and demonstration of the will of God? Jesus, Jesus was, right? I mean, he, came, he, he was uh, an exact image of God, is what the, what the book of Hebrews says, right? Uh, that he, everything that Jesus did was a complete and total reflection of who God is in the earth. So the best thing, that, well, then let's search the Gospels to see how many times Jesus uh, caused his disciples to suffer physically with sickness and disease or disaster or, or whatever, and then with the goal of perfecting them. Or anybody, not just his 12 apostles, but anybody. Not one time. So did he never, did he never chastise him? He, ch he was on the case all the time. Oh, you of little faith. How is it you have no faith? You whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Right? You, are, you are the child you are of, of your, you are the child of your father, the devil. I mean, he, it's not like he held back, right? It's not like he's, oh, you're all so wonderful puppy dogs and kittens, right? It wasn't, no, sometimes he really, you know, straightened them up, amen? Sometimes he really jerked a slack out of them. But he did it with word, with, with his word. Well, if he did, if he always chastised every time, every, without exception, with his word, then how is he chastising his people today? With his word. I mean, he may do that by you reading your word, you reading his word. He might do that by somebody else bringing the word to you. He might do that by the Spirit of God speaking His Word to you, but it always goes back to His Word. Amen? 
Uh, and that's the example. That's, that, that's solid doctrine, right? Because you have Bible for it. You can go through, and I just listed several of them, right? Uh, uh, you know, let the dead bury the dead. Uh, why are you so covetous? I mean, just many times he rebuked the people around him. Uh, and, and so, and he reserved it pretty much for his own people. Uh, you don't see him rebuking uh, Herod, right? You don't see him rebuking uh, Pilate. Uh, even when they're, they're in the, uh, the, they're in the, um, the hearing there, uh, they're the trial of Jesus before he went to the cross. Um, you know, he did say some things to them, but he didn't re- rebuke them like he, he did the Pharisees and the, and the apostles. And so, so anyway, there was just, it was just a comment that was there. Um, we rejoice in the Lord always in verse 4. And again, I say rejoice because we have an answer. The Lord will deliver. The Lord will provide. Amen. We're not rejoicing because of the difficulties we're going through. We're rejoicing in the midst of the difficulties because the Lord has a way out. Uh, and, so, and that's why we rejoice. Amen. If you're rejoicing for your cancer, you're messed up. If you're rejoicing for your broken leg, you're messed up. You're just, you're, I mean, you're just messed up. Would you break the leg of your child? Would you break the leg of your grandchild? Would you break the leg of your dog or your cat? You know, I told you quit barking and you snap a leg. I mean, is it, is it, would you do that? You would get arrested for doing that, amen? I mean, you'd be put in jail for years for harming a pet, amen? And yet people say that God does this to his people all the time. God allows difficulties and suffering in the lives of his people to purify them. We are clean by the word that was spoken. That's what the Bible says. We're not clean uh, and purified by getting cancer, by having our arms and legs broken, by having a financial disaster. There's no Bible for that. There's no scriptural basis for that. And if people pull out stories, they're, uh, they're making things up. Amen? Uh, they may say, well, it's Job. Well, then obviously you never read Job. Amen? And so you can go anytime, they, even if they pull out something, and it's very rare because usually they just make a comment like this. And to me, that's such a huge comment. I want 16 references before I believe something like that, right? Something as major as, that, as God's messing with us uh, and again, that, that, that's such a selfish, self-centered statement because it's thinking it's all about me. Everything's about me. And the Lord's like, I ain't got time with you. You need to be going helping that guy over there. That's, that, our job on the earth as a church is to help the people around us, help the world get into the, into the kingdom of heaven. He's not going, hey, uh, I know you should be over there preaching, you know, and witnessing to the lost, but before you do that, I'm going to throw some brain cancer on you. And uh, so you're going to be, set, you're going to be uh, in the bed for about a year, 18 months or so. And now you can't preach or help anybody during that time because you've got brain cancer. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you out there. That's just messed up, right? It's just, I mean, but people say things like that. Anybody heard people say things like that, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it, to me, it's embarrassing. It's like, okay, oh, do you have a degree? Give me your degree. You know, you, you, are you even a member of a church? Give me your mem- card member. You know, you're, you're fired. And so, you know, um, Anyway, it's just, uh, uh, we, sh- we, we should believe that God is good. Yeah. And that's sufficient for about half of our doctrine. Amen. If God is good, would he heal you? If God is good, would he deliver you? Would he provide everything to you? Well, then what else you got to know? Amen. You know, you can back it up with, with book, chapter, and verse if you want to, which you can. But you sure, sure can't back up God allows difficulties and suffering in the lives of his people to purify them. No Bible reference, right? Uh, and to me, that's heresy. I mean, that's like way up there heresy. Like Jesus didn't go to the cross heresy, right? Because if Jesus went to the cross, but he still allows me to suffer, 
Well, well, then why did he go to the cross? By his stripes I was healed, unless I need you to suffer from brain cancer or something, you know, uh, because, you know, I know I healed you, I know I paid a great price for your healing, but, you know, I mean, it'd just be like saying, well, uh, I asked to get saved, but God said, no, I'm not going to save you right now. I'm not going to let you get saved because, you know, you need to suffer more. And then you die and go to hell. And it's like, well, you, you should have hung out a little bit longer. You know, you might could have got saved. Uh, now, would anybody believe that doctrine? But what's the difference between believing that God would withhold his salvation from you in order to make you suffer a little bit more to, to really show you how valuable your, your salvation was versus, uh, well, I know I provided healing for you, but I'm not going to give it to you. Instead, I'm going to give you sickness to let you suffer some. Eventually, I'll give you some healing but because I paid for it on the cross as part of the work of the cross, but, but right now you need to suffer. Uh, that's, it, it doesn't make any sense. Does, and I know I sometimes feel like I'm beating a dead horse, uh, and um, um, I don't know. It's, just, it's really odd. It's really odd that, that sincere, educated, intelligent people would believe such stupidity, right? Because to me, it's like way up there. I mean, it's like PhD level of stupidity, right? I mean, you can have an advanced degree to be that dumb. Uh, and yet people just casually say that. Well, you know, the Lord did that. You know, the Lord didn't heal me. Uh, the Lord decided not to bless me. Uh, and it's like, no. And the Lord's like, no, that, that's not me. Don't put that on me. Amen. Uh, and so, so that's, that's Philippians uh, 4, 4 there. And of course, we get right into in verse 5 here. Um, he said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Uh, and in, in this particular case, uh, moderation now in, in Galatians chapter 5, one of the fruits of the Spirit is uh, temperance or moderation or, or, or self-control. That's not the same word here. So uh, in, in the fruit of the Spirit, uh, temperance is self-control uh, of your flesh, right? Not allowing your flesh to just flesh out, right? Not to allow your uh, body to dictate your life, not allow your flesh to dictate your life. So the appetites of the flesh, that includes food, obviously, right? Don't eat everything that, that, uh, that you see, but it also includes things like what you buy, right? Uh, John Osteen was always big one, say you can't buy everything that your beady little eyes see. Uh, and so, uh, you know, because that's what people do, right? Well, well why'd you buy that? Because I didn't have it. Okay, I guess that's a good reason to buy it, because you didn't have it. But if that's true, then, then you'd have to buy everything, amen? Uh, and some people, they don't know how to control that, amen? Some people just, if, if it's on sale, they got to buy it. Uh, and they, well, look how much money I saved. You spend $100 to save that money, right? And so you didn't actually save any money, you spent $100. No, no, that's not, that's not I, I saved $50, you know? But you spent $100, right? The, and so, the, you know, that's, that's the, that's the uh, sales math. Uh, and so, uh, but it also includes, you know, uh, sexual sins and, and just anything that your body dictates to, your, to you uh, and controls your life, then that's where the fruit of the spirit of moderation should come in. And Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I put my body under. Uh, and if you, uh, if you go and, and research that, in fact, it'd be good just to read that verse there in context there, 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 27. Um, well, we'll get over there soon enough here. So it says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So notice he said, I keep under my body. So your body is the container of your sin nature, amen, but it's also just the body, amen. So uh, it's not always sin when it wants to be fed, 
But sometimes, you know, you, you feed it and it's like, give me more. You know, and, and, and if you're not careful, you just, okay, well, give it more. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you wake up one day and, and you can't get through the door because you never said no. Uh, and never saw a donut I didn't like. Uh, and so, uh, but at some point, uh, you've got to keep under your body. But it's also anything related to the sin nature. So uh, carnal appetites, you know, sexual sins, um, but it's also about words and being unkind. You know, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of Christians, they'll say things like, well, I just say whatever comes to my mind, you know. Uh, and uh, we'll see they're not keeping under the body. Because the only thing you should never constrain is your spirit. Amen. If your spirit says do something, do it, right? Uh, and, of course, you've got to make sure you're training yourself that it really is your spirit. And you know that by two, two witnesses. One is, is the spirit of God himself, and two is the word of God. And so, but once you get to that point where you feel pretty confident what your spirit is telling you, that it really is your spirit and not something else, then that's fine. Uh, but you, know, you should always obey your spirit without exception. Never constrain your spirit. Never put your spirit under. <coughs> Amen. But you put your body under because if, if your body wants to do something, before you allow it to do it, you say, hang on. Does this violate any word of God or the spirit of God? Uh, uh, and not just the word of God by the letter, but any of the spirit of the word of God. So it does... Amen. When you say walk in love, right? Speak the truth in love. Well, that's a good one, right? Well, I just had to tell them the truth. Well, you parted the hair when you did that, though. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's great that you told them the truth, but, but now, you know, they're, they're over in a fetal position in the corner because you just, just, you know, blasted them out of the water. Well, they need you to know. Well, you know, you could have told them that without just, you know, saying bad things about their mama and their grandmother, too. Amen. Yeah, but some, oh, I just had to tell them, you know, I just, you know, I, I don't hold back. Well, you should hold back. Because, see, if, if the result of that is you brought harm to somebody, uh, within, and, and that was the intention, was to put them in their place, uh, well, then, then you're not putting your body under. Amen. Now, see, sometimes the Spirit of God will say, well, you need to go correct them. And you do that, the Bible says, in Galatians 6, 1, uh, you which are spiritual, uh, Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, right? In a spirit of meekness. So don't go with a hammer. You go with a velvet glove. Amen. And so, you know, sometimes you may have to correct people, but still, you don't have to beat them within an inch of their life in order to, to get the, the point across. Amen. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, one of the things uh, I kind of learned that from my pastor, because uh, he, he, his general mode of operation was he wouldn't say anything for a long time, and then he'd drop a nuclear bomb. And, I, and then it, people would just, just, their lives would be scattered, destroyed sometimes, leave the church and never go to church again. And I went and talked to Bubba one time. I said, Pastor, so why do you wait till it takes a nuclear bomb to fix something? Because, you know, you could have just said, hey, you know, uh, that right there, might want to just not do that anymore. You know, you could just say that, right? Instead of, you know, standing up in the pulpit and calling them out by name, and you backslid and buzzards every one of you. Well, you know, everybody can't handle that. And everybody shouldn't have to handle that. Uh, and so, uh, and, and you know, he really didn't have an answer. He said, well, it's the anointing of my life. It's like, not any anointing I know of. Amen. I mean, uh, when, I, mean I know Jesus was, was uh, very, uh, one time he told uh, James and John, you, do, you don't know what spirit you are of. Of course, they just said, well, let's, let's rain down fire on him, Lord. You want to? Like, well, and the context was they were going through Samaria, and Samaria wanted Jesus to stick around, and Jesus couldn't stick around, so they got mad at Jesus because he wouldn't stick around. 
Not because they were mad at Jesus, because he wouldn't stick around. And so let's call fire down from heaven and burn them all up because they got mad because Jesus wouldn't spend enough time with them. And, so, and Jesus said, you know not what spirit you're of. Well, so he did. I mean, one time he told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. So he did say things, but I can guarantee you every time he said it, that he said it maybe in a, in a firm uh, tone, but it, he didn't blast them out of the water. Uh, and, and see, that's, that's not putting your body under it. Because a lot of times that sin nature rises up and maybe the words or maybe the, the uh, situation does require you to confront somebody. But instead of confronting them according to Galatians 6.1, we go and take our flesh with us and we allow the old man to rise up and go along with us. And, and instead of saying the truth in love and saying the truth in meekness, we say the truth with, with a hacksaw and an atomic bomb. Well, that's not putting your flesh under. That's not putting your body under. That, that's, uh, I'm going and you're staying here, flesh. You're not going with me when I go talk to this person. But uh, it's, it's rare that people do that. They'll just blast you out of the water and they'll use their emotions to try to control you. Uh, and and uh, they are violating 1 Corinthians 9.27. They're violating uh, the fruit of the Spirit. They're showing no fruit at all. Remember we read Sunday about the, the false prophets. You'll know them by their fruit. Well, you know Christians by their fruit. Amen? And uh, see, I, see, I got no problem with, with people being confronted or needing to be confronted. I got no problem with people conf, uh, confronting me if they need to. Uh, but uh, how are we doing it? Are we doing it as Christians? Can't we act like Christians even if somebody does something wrong? I mean, that's when people need you to be a, a, most of a Christian if they're doing something wrong. Be kind to them. Help them. Amen? And if they don't want to change, well, that's not on you. You've done your part, amen? All you got to do is do your part, and the Lord's going to do his part. That's when I go, and even if I'm going to rebuke somebody, well, the Lord's with me. He, I'm working with him, amen? He's my partner in this, in this conversation, and I'll go and talk to them, and he's working on their heart to, hey, this is so, you need to accept that. And maybe at the end of the day, they say, I'm not, I'm not accepting that. Well, then I'm done. I don't, you know. Well, they need to know. That's not my problem. That's their problem, Amen? Now, now and, and if they don't want to listen, then I'll just go back and pray for them until, until the Lord says, go back and try it again. Maybe he never will let me do that. Uh, but at the end of the day, we need to have some self-control in our life. In 1 Corinthians 9, 27, because see, Paul said that he keeps, it, he keeps his body under his, he's my body. So it's something that he possesses. So you are not your body, right? That's just something that you own. You own your body. It's, it's been leased to you by the Lord. And you bring it into subjection. Into subjection to what? To your spirit man. Your spirit man is always chief in charge of your life. Your spirit man is, is the one that you go to. Uh, now, your spirit man is, is one part of you. That's your spirit man itself. And then your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that's the part. Your spirit man, when it's born again, is perfect. Sealed by the Holy Ghost, made in the image and likeness of God, on its way to heaven. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. That part, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 12, that it needs to be renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, get your mind renewed to think like the Word. Get your mind renewed to, to believe like the Word. And that's a, that will take the rest of your life to perfect. Amen? Hopefully we'll make good progress, but some people have made no progress, right? <laughs> have you had any renewal at all? Nope, I'm at zero. I'm at, I got saved and I'm going straight to heaven. No, no improvement since then, right? I mean, you buy the house and you move right in. Don't paint it, don't use nothing, right? You, you've done nothing to it, amen? Uh, and so, and some people are like that, amen? They just, they fix it, they, they have not improved 
a, a second from the time they accepted the Lord Jesus. Now I believe they'll go to heaven. Amen. But see, if, uh, if you don't take that mind uh, and that will and, and, and you've got to put those two things into subjection to your spirit man. So when you want to do something, you go, hang on, before I execute that desire, let me take that desire and see if it lines up with my spirit man. Spirit man, is it okay if I do this? Well, you know, the Bible says this. Well, you know, the Spirit of God just told me that. Uh, as long as it lines up with that, then, then it's okay to do that. Okay, then I'll go do that. But sometimes, you know, you want to go do that, and your spirit man, you know, I mean, it's just as much as, as any time, as anything, when I want to do something and it's not right, my spirit man just be like, they won't say nothing. It just, you can just tell. It's like, uh, it's like when I, you know, you know uh, uh, we don't do it so much anymore because he's older, but we used to take Clark for a walk. And when he get done walking, you know, he just plant him four feet down, and he, he's like a boat anchor. I mean, it just stop. And you, and you, I mean, he's 55 pounds, but he's only this big, right? So he's got a high density factor, and you can't move him. I mean, he just, uh, and so, you know, he may not say anything, but you can tell. As soon as he stops, you can tell. Well, that's the same thing with your spirit man. When your spirit man doesn't want you to do something, he'll just stop. And, and it may not say anything, you just, but you just know. Yeah, I can't say that. Oh, yeah, I can't do that. Uh, and, and if you'll train yourself to be that way, see, then, then that's how you put your body under. That's how you put it in subjection to your spirit man. You subject it to the, the desires of your spirit man. And if your spirit man says it's okay to do that, well, then you go ahead and do that. No problem. Amen. And, and really... Uh, in the majority of your Christian life, should, those two things should be in alignment. That what you want to do in your, in your mind, in your flesh, not so much your flesh, but in your mind, when you're, when you're perfectly mature and have a pure heart, like Matthew 5, 8 says, then everything you want to do is perfectly aligned with your spirit. man. it becomes easy to be a Christian because, well, I want to go uh, and, and deliver flowers and, and, and uh, you know, perfume to everybody, whatever. I don't know what it is, but, you know, you just want to do good things to people. Help them out. And your spirit man says, sounds good to me. And the next day, oh, I want to go help that person. You it sounds good to me. And you can get to a point where, where there's never any conflict. And so that's, when you're, that's when you're perfectly at ease, perfectly at peace. But when there's a conflict with what your flesh wants to do or even your mind wants to do versus your spirit man, see, that's when the pressure rises up in you. Well, I should be able to say that. And people will come out fighting because uh, they think if they, if they speak loud enough and are aggressive enough, then they don't have to listen to their spirit man. Well, they need to hear that. No, they don't. You know, maybe the Lord's working on them and planning on next Tuesday telling them something. Uh, and so if you can get to where that you put your body under in subjection of your spirit man, so your body would, would include uh, any of your desires as well, your mind, your will, and your emotions, put that in subjection to your spirit man, see, uh, then life is actually pr- really easy. You're never under any pressure. You never end in a conflict. You know, people that are just in a bad mood all the time because they're in conflict, right? And people that just will fight, be fighting mad over sin because they're in conflict. Their, their spirit man doesn't want to sin, but their flesh wants to sin, and they, they refuse to tell their body to shut up and put it in subjection to the spirit man. So that's why there's conflict in their hearts. Uh, and, so, and that'll remain there until they, they either sear their conscience, which is searing their spirit man, and they can't hear the voice of their spirit, or they, you know, they could backslide, or they could repent and, and line up uh, with the Spirit of God. Paul said, if you don't do that, then you, he said, when I pre- lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So he said, you know, I could preach the gospel over here, but at the same time, I could be a castaway from the Lord. Now, he's not going to lose his salvation, but 
he could lose out on all the blessings of, of his inheritance from the Lord, be cast away from the, the inheritance that, he, that belongs to him uh, and has no access to that. And much of the church is, lives without access to their inheritance that belongs to them, is paid and bought and paid for them, but because of their sin and because they refuse to, to yield to their spirit man and only yield to their flesh, they are cast away from that regards. Now, you're not going to lose your salvation. I think it's really hard to lose your salvation, but you're going to live a life without blessings and the peace of God. And some people are okay with that. I'm not okay with that, but some people are okay with it. You know, I'll just make them my own. Okay, that's really dumb, but yeah, okay, fine, right? People do that all the time. I'll just, I'll just you know, I can earn my own money. Well, that's great. But if you give, the Lord would double that, amen? If you'd listen to the Lord, he'd triple that. If, if you'd walk in peace, he, he would quadruple that. Uh, I mean, so yeah, be broke, it's fine, but, but uh, you know, or get by with the barely get along street, or you can listen to the Lord and be at peace and enjoy the blessings of heaven. And so Paul said, uh, look, uh, and how many do you know? I mean, you know, of course, that, now we're getting into the, into the ministry side, and we mentioned some of this stuff the other day about, about the fruits of the prophet, right? What does the prophet say? Uh, who cares what he says? Let me go see what his fruit of his life is first. And that's what Paul is saying here. I can preach over here at the same time. So when he, you, know, you think Paul was a pretty good preacher? I'd say he's a pretty good preacher, right? I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So he's a pretty good preacher. But he said, I could still be a pretty good preacher, at, but at the same time be a castaway from the blessings of the Lord. And that right there is hard on me to accept. I, I mean, I just, I, uh, I, I think there's a phrase that people say, you know, I can't uh, hear anything you're saying because of what I see you doing or something like that. Uh, there's something to that effect, right? Uh, and, and, and that's for me is, is I, can't, I can't hear anything somebody says if I know they go down and treat the waitress poorly or treat their spouse badly or, or cheat on their taxes or, you know, whatever it is. I know, I know one time, and, and, and um, you know, don't get mad at him, it's just, it's just telling a story here, right? But uh, I know we had, a, we had a fella one time do some work for us and, uh, I mean, he's, he's one of these Facebook preachers, right? Oh, God is good, you know, God's so wonderful. He's so, you know, we should all go to heaven. And that's great, man, that's awesome, right? And, and uh, he did some work for us. And he said, now, if you don't mind, write that check to my wife because I'm on disability and I can't earn too much money by doing work that's physical labor. I can't do that because if I do too much of that, the government will take away my disability because they'll think that I'm actually not disabled because I'm really not disabled, but I got a letter from the doctor that says I'm disabled, so I get this money. Uh, uh, and I'm like, I have questions, right? I mean, you went down and told the doctor you were unable to work, give me a letter. You told the U.S. government, I am unable to work, give me a check. But then you tell the people around you, I need work, give me, give me some work to do, slinging hammers and rolling paint. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, you know, typing on a keyboard. I'm talking about slinging hammers and, and building stuff, right? But you're somehow disabled. Now, look, I, I, I'm not mad at anybody, but who cares what you say on Facebook if you want me to write a check to your wife? And so I'm like, That's, I'll never use this fellow again, right? I mean, I'm a, I, I, he'll go to heaven, and, and I'm glad he, 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 he'll go to heaven. But, I, you know... I can't hear a single thing you're saying because I see what you're doing. Uh, what kind of fruit is that? Isn't that lying, stealing, being deceptive? I mean, what kind of faith is it anyway? You're, I, mean, you're, I mean, okay, if you're a denominational guy, fine, right? But you're a Pentecostal guy, right? So you're supposed to believe God for healing. I mean, that's kind of a law, right? You're supposed to believe God for healing anyway if you're in the Pentecostal world. And so, uh, I mean, even if, 
just, there's just no way. I mean, I just, I, I, don't, I can't find any scenario where I would uh, go down and get, now look, if you're on this, I don't care. I'm not mad at you, but I just couldn't do it, right? I mean, just, uh, when, I, mean when I was in high school, I, I would only been saved for like a day. Uh, and then after my parents died, I got saved. My father died. I got saved and my mother died. It was that order. And then, uh, so now I'm collecting Social Security. But all my life, I was always on 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 uh, uh, free lunch program. I remember free, you go down to the to the uh, back in the day, right before God invented the computers, right? You had to go down to the guidance counselor. She'd give you five red tickets a week. And he, on Monday, you go down and give the, the lunch lady one red ticket. You know that was your free lunch. Yeah. And so, and they did that, you know, so that you look like everybody else's lunch tickets, right? And so, after after I got saved and, and I started collecting all this money on. Um, uh, on Social Security, uh, I started getting like $315 a month. And by the time I graduated high school, I was making $405 a month. It's pretty amazing, right? I mean, I was not working. Of course, I was working besides that. Uh, but it was, that was a deal, right? If you're, if, minor, if you're a minor child and your parents die, you, if they're on Social Security, you get their Social Security until you're... Actually, it was until you graduated college until President Reagan uh, got elected and he cut that off, right? I could have... I mean, I could have been... Who knows how much money I've been making through college, right? And so the Lord had to provide college another way, but that's another discussion. And so I went down to the guidance counselor and said, well, I'm making much money now. I don't need to, you know. She said, well, you're, 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 you're destitute. You're, you're an orphan. You know, you have no parents, and you can, you, you're allowed to get this forever. I said, yeah, but I can afford it. I'm not doing that. And I walked out, and she thought, that's the weirdest thing. She thought that was so weird, and I thought, I thought it was weird that, that people would do that. I mean, you know, you mean... And so, just I just it was just met, turned that way, right? Of course, we were raised, you know, to earn your way, and and you, of course, you have to be careful of getting too extreme in that. But see, for me, what kind of witness would that be for me? Is if I'm able to pay for it, and I, I understand, you know, sometimes you get a deal, and you know, it's, 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 I'm not talking about that. It's just you've got to, you've got to, whatever your spirit man says to do, that's what you can do. My spirit man said, you go down and you you pay for your own lunch. Okay, no problem. Well, you know, it's going to cost me. It didn't, it paid, I got paid from the Lord for doing that because I yielded to his will. Amen. It never pays to serve the Lord. I mean, it never costs you to serve the Lord. It pays to serve the Lord, right? You, you serve the Lord and he blesses you. And, and to me, I've always believed that and it's always worked out well. Because if you don't, see, you can be preaching over here. I mean, Paul, Paul transformed the world. Amen. His teachings transformed the universe because of what the Lord told him. What's it matter if he can do all that and he's a terrible witness to people? He said, follow me as I follow the Lord, but I'm not following the Lord, so just do what I say. Don't do what I do, right? Uh, and, of course, that, that's been a big problem in the church as long as there has been. So, you know, the, 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 the self-control and temperance, it's, it's a big deal, right? Because it will sidetrack your spiritual walk. If you, will not, if you refuse to yield to your spirit, man, you will, you will wander through life as a child of the Most High God, living like a beggar. Uh, and a lot of Christians do that, right? As far as the spiritual things go, they just, they just live like a beggar, and they never know what to do, they never know how to do it, they never have the power to do it, they never have the wisdom to do it, they never have the supernatural ability to do it. They just, they just, uh, they make it through life somehow, right? I mean, that one fellow, he lived a long life, you know, and, and um, was preaching on Facebook all the time. Had a following. People, I mean, people just, oh, he was such an amazing fellow. And you don't know what I'm talking about, so, you know. Uh, but, um, and again, 
I'm not here to disparage him. But my point is, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get how, uh, who, who cares if you can do the easy things? It's when, it's when uh, the hard thing comes, to, and, when, and it's only hard because your flesh will say, we've got a deal. See, everything in the spirit realm is always easy. It's only hard when your spirit man says, do this, and your flesh says, yeah, but I can get a check. Your spirit man says, yeah, but you don't need a check. You're the healed, healed of God. Yeah, but I can get a check, and I don't have to go to work anymore. But your spirit man says, yeah, but the Lord will heal you if you believe him. And see, that conflict will rise up. What do you do? All right, what, what do you do in that moment? Now, I was talking to a lady one time years ago, and, and you know, I knew her, and, and she could do things, right? But uh, uh, she, she trying to get, uh, I don't know if she ever got on disability. She was trying really hard to get on disability. And, and uh, she's, she said, I was just asking her about it one time. And she, uh, she was, it was a, you know, it's a big deal, right? You got to go to, sometimes you got to go to court and all these things, you got lawyers and stuff involved. And uh, she said, well, the doctor says I'm disabled. I said, yeah, but what do you say? Doctor said I can't work. I said, but what do you say? Who cares what the doctor says? As a child of God, I mean, that's a piece of information, but that's not all the information that you have. You have by his stripes you're healed. That's the best information anyway. Uh, and, and as far as I could tell, there was really nothing all that wrong with her other than just, you know, she just would really trying hard to get on disability. Uh, and look, are there actually dis disabled? My, my brother, you know, he's, he's passed away now, but uh, he was born with a half an arm. And so he had a half an arm on his left side and his full arm on his right side. I mean, he could tie a shoe, he could cut a stake. You should see this guy. I mean, he was amazing. My kids were terrified of him because he had one arm, right? And so, uh, and, and so, but he was on disability from, from like forever, like, like decades. He, he died push mowing a yard for money. Like, okay. Now, I'm not trying to disparage my brother. I love my brother. But he's push mowing a yard. I will push mow a yard. It's like, you know, it's hard work to push mow. Anybody push mow a yard? That's why God invented four wheels, right? And, you know, you sit down. And, and so, uh, and so, and he was, you know, he's like 70 years old when he, when he passed away. And, and so, I mean, was he really that disabled? I mean, you know, he was originally disabled, I guess, a, a, a thousand years ago. He'd been on disability for like 30 or 40 years, maybe more than that. Uh, and so, but he's pushed mowing yard, right? So I don't know. So I got questions. That's all. Really, I got questions. I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm not trying to get mad. At I got questions, right? And so I'll leave all that alone. For me, uh, I, I'm going to fight it every day. Amen. I'm going to fight it every day. Uh, and, and I'm going to put my body under. And my body says, you know, the easy way to be to do this. The spirit man goes, yeah, but you need to go that way. I'm going that way. I mean, I don't care if, that's, if that seems less easy. It'll be easier because the spirit of God's with me over there. He's not over here, me lying about things and, hey, write a check to my wife kind of deal. The Lord's not in that. The Lord's in this over here where I'm going to power through and, and, and get up and do the work, and the Lord will provide healing and strength for me. Amen? Uh, and so uh, we can go back to Philippians. Uh, that, that was a, a long aside there uh, because after, setting, after having said all that, the word moderation in Philippians 4 or 5 is not that spirit, that fruit of the spirit. <laughs> so that was a long way. Here's what it's not, right? Uh, this particular word, uh, uh, moderation, uh, primarily means to be gentle. It means to be equitable, fair, mild, gentle, sweet, reasonableness. I love that. Uh, one one uh, definition says intensely reasonable. Let your moderation be known unto all men. 
let your intensely, in, 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 intensively reasonableness be known unto all men. I don't know if I got all those adjectives and adverbs correct there, right? Let your intensive reasonableness be known unto all men. That's what he said. So uh, when people see you, when all people see you, what, is, what should they see? That's a reasonable person. You ever know people who are just unreasonable? That means, that, you know, when you go and say, hey, you know, um, uh, could you move your car just a little bit? You know, you're, I can't get out here. No, I don't move my car. Well, that's unreasonable. I mean, just, you know, people just unreasonable. No matter what you do, it just answers just no, right? Uh, and they won't help. They won't assist. They won't provide any. And, uh, and, you know, some ministers are that way. Some Christians are that way. Paul said, let your, let your in, uh, intensively reasonable uh, for moderation means intensively reasonable. Let that be known unto all men. You know, Christians, it's okay to be reasonable. Amen. Now, uh, even if someone comes, hey, I need you to sin. I'm not doing that. You know, that's still reasonable, right? Uh, but see, a lot of times, uh, Christians will try to control every circumstance, every situation by their emotions. If they'll scream and get mad and be loud enough. They'll, they'll control the conversation. Or if they start crying and bawling and squalling, you know, I understand sometimes people, you know, I mean, some people are just more emotional than others, and that's fine, right? Uh, but if the, if, the inten- if the intention is to use your, your, use your emotions to control, see you're not being reasonable. It means, it means somebody can't have a conversation with you. Uh, we as Christians, you know, for me personally, you could have a conversation with me about anything. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing, what you're not doing. Uh, it's not going to bother me, right? It just... I'm just a reasonable person. I think I'm a reasonable person. Now, I'm not, I'm not flexible uh, about things, but uh, I'm reasonable. Even if you tell me to do something, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to come out swinging, you know, and, and uh, take people's heads off because of, uh, they disagree. You know, someone one time did some stuff for me, and they said, uh, uh, how'd you like it? I said, well, it looks great. And they were really disappointed that I didn't just go bonkers about it, you know? It's like, I mean... I'm intensely reasonable, you know? <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's, it's fine, right? But, uh, uh, you know, and so, I mean, sometimes people want, want you to express things in a more uh, exuberant way, and, uh, and, and it's fine. If that's you, that's fine, right? Because if that's, then that's, you're still being reasonable in that sense. But Paul said that your moderation or your, your patience, your gentleness, your mildness, your, your equ- equity, uh, not the equity, the, the equity of, today's current um, corporate world um, because they, they've gone way out of, way out, of, out, of uh, out of alignment with that. Humility, meekness, forbearance, leniency, uh, all, all these words are what it's talking about. Uh, and so they're, they're very similar to the fruits of the Spirit, but they're not exactly the fruit of the Spirit. But it really should be an outgrowth of who you are as, as a child of God. We should be reasonable people. Amen. We should be gentle people. Uh, and I understand sometimes you you got to, uh, on a rare occasion, you got to pull that card out and be really stern. But even when you're stern, I just can't imagine, even when Jesus was stern, that he was unreasonable. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, and that doesn't mean you got to be, you got to be somebody who it's easy for them to uh, compromise. You should, you can be perfectly be reasonable and never compromise. Amen. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. That's reasonable, right? Now, I would never do that. That's still being reasonable, amen. Uh, and so uh, Paul, Paul said, all men should know that you're that way because he said the Lord is at hand, amen. Uh, you know, I'll t- tell you the story uh, because the reason why Paul said it that way is 
Keep that in the back of your mind. That whatever you do, uh, the Lord may be there, uh, may be there right now. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's going to come as a thief in the night, right? I mean, you may just say the worst thing, and then, bam, you look in the east, and there's, the whole east lights up, right? And there's Jesus returning to the earth. Wouldn't that be a regretful thing, right? See, that'd be unreasonable for you to do that. Uh, you know, uh, when, when I was, my dad passed away when I was, when I was 14 years old. And so, of course, when I'm 14 years old, you're a man, right? And you already know everything. Uh, and so, um, so my dad had asked me to do something. It was, it was uh, well, it was, um, uh, we were at home, so it wasn't during school, but it was in October of 1979. And um, he'd asked me to do something. And I got so mad at him uh, because I'm thinking, I'm a man. I should be able to do what I want to do. And I didn't really think I was a man, but I was thinking, mostly I was thinking, I don't want to do what he wants me to do. And it wasn't anything unreasonable. It was like take out the garbage or, you know, something like that. Uh, but but uh, I got so mad at him, uh, and I even called him a fool. I wasn't saved then, uh, but, uh, and I had never done anything like that before. Never said any words that unkind to my dad before. 30 minutes later, he's dead. 30 minutes later, he died of a massive heart attack, you know. And I don't, I don't kill him, but... but um, uh, and I've had to live with that all of these years, right? And I think about that because, see, the Lord's at hand. So you could say something, and then the world could change in 30 minutes, and you could regret not being able to go back and undo that. Amen? How many regrets do the, ch- the, the, the children of God have by you being unreasonable? He said the Lord is at hand. That's, you need to keep that in the back of your mind. At any second, the Lord can come back, and, and, and what's it going to be then, right? Uh, and so, and, and I'll tell you that story uh, because it's a terrible thing. I mean, I, you know, I regret doing that. I can't change it, right? Uh, and I wasn't even saved at the time. Uh, and I'm at least thankful that you know, I wasn't saved at the time because, you know, I'd still be repenting over it as a, as a Christian if I'd done that uh, after that point in time. Uh, but still, it was a terrible thing. Amen? And there was no, there was no uh, reasonableness at all because whatever he asked me to do was a reasonable thing for a father to act. Now, see, I would never, uh, I mean, uh, it, it was rare, but on occasion my kids... They never did that to me, but they would occasion say something unkind to, to Chris. Yeah, and we nipped them all in the bud, right? Uh, uh, and so, and they, they may have all done it one time, but it was not more than once, right? Uh, and so, uh, because the Lord is at hand, amen? Let your moderation, let your gentleness and your forbearance, uh, and, I, and all these different translations, uh, this is a, apparently a big word because a bunch of different transitions and a bunch of different ways to, to uh, uh, express this word, but reasonableness, leniency, forbearance, meekness, humility, gentleness, patience, uh, mildness. Uh, I like the, the one we read earlier, sweet reasonableness, and intensively reasonable. Uh, let everybody know that because you're a reflection of the Lord Jesus, amen? Uh, and, and no doubt if Paul is telling us to do this, then it has to be the way the Lord Jesus was when he was on the earth, even when he was crossed, even when, when he told uh, John and James, you don't know what uh, spirit you're of, even when he told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Still, uh, and of course, he didn't have the sin nature in him, but he did have his own desires. He still would not allow those things to go beyond where they should. And that's, that, of course, that is wrapped up in the moderation uh, uh, of the fruit of the spirit, but in this particular case, it's really how you're how you're dealing with other people, right? How you're um, working with with uh, with other people in your life, amen. And that's what they need to see. The, the, it would be helpful if the world would see the church be reasonable, amen. 
when things aren't, because uh, it doesn't matter. If, uh, when everything is perfectly good and fine, everybody's reasonable. Amen? It just matters when, when, when things aren't fine. Amen? Who cares if you can control yourself when everything's perfect and, and there's daisies everywhere? Uh, it, what matters is, uh, what if the lights turn red? Right? Well, what, if the, you know, what if all the lights turn red? Uh, you know, I mean, even the, the other day, I was, com- I was coming into town, and I, needed, I was going to fiddle something on my phone, and, uh, you, know, uh, it, you know, it was just the devil, because when I needed to do something on my phone, all the lights were green. So I couldn't, I, I was waiting for a red light, you know, but all, I mean, I went through town, and I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't even, I got to Atlanta, no red lights, you know, I'm like, how'd I end up here? And I'm trying to, you know, waiting for a red light to fiddle my phone, uh, and so, uh, but that's the way it is sometimes, right? So you get mad about it. But, I mean, what do you do, right? Now, it, it, when you're in a hurry sometimes, it seems like, you know, the devil and everybody's against you, right? You've got you to gotta bind up that devil, devil red lights in, in the name of Jesus, right? Uh, no, they're just, they're just whatever time they are, amen? Uh, and so, but I've had lots of times people, uh, I know, uh, you know back here when we were building, building a sanctuary, uh, on, those book, on those bookshelves there, those, those are stained, so it's stained wood, it's not painted. And so they, the guy was staining it, and then we were here, it happened to be watching him stain it, right? And the quart of uh, a black stain, and he's doing it, and he bumps it with his elbow, and black stain starts pouring down the back of that book book uh, cases over there, and then out the front of the of the thing, down on that uh, expensive uh, rug that we just bought, uh, and it's stained, right? Black stain. It's not going to come. It's not going to come out. And so I, I, I'm here. As I called up the uh, I called up the contractor, said, "Hey," um, and I took a picture. So, we got a problem, right? Uh, and so he, I mean, he came immediately, just like that. And, and, he, oh, he, and so, of course, they were all making a big fuss about it. And, and, he, and he came up to me afterwards, and he said, man, I sure appreciate you not making a big fuss about it. I said, well, you're going to get a new rug for us, right? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to fix that right there, aren't you? Yeah. Well, so what's the problem? He said, you don't know how many customers would cuss me for, for, for that happening. But... But it's not, he didn't say, well, we ain't fixing it, and walk out the door. I mean, you know, uh, if, it, if he said we're going to fix it, I'd be like, well, yes, you are. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, could, uh, I could still be stern, but, but there was no need for, for it because it's just a thing. All right? I mean, that, that rug, is it going to heaven with us? No, that wood there, I mean, that was 90-year-old wood, so, you know, you're going to get, I mean, we have to wait around another 90 years to get wood to replace it, I guess. But, uh, uh, but there was no point in getting upset about it. And it wasn't like I was biting a nail. There was no upset in me. And that, see, that's where you want to be, right? It wasn't like a, you better get over here quick, you know. You know, there was no steam. You know, sometimes you see the steam starts coming out through the cracks, right? And you, you, you're swelled up a little bit more because the steam's trying to come out. And people are that way, right? So there's, you know, now I'm not going to say anything, but I want to. Well, then you haven't put off the old man yet. You, you're keeping him in reserve for an important time. No, there's, I don't have an old man in reserve. They pour the, if they pour the whole thing on there, and if it was completely ruined, well, which, well what should we do now? Let's go plan B. Got to paint the whole thing? Okay, well, well fine, whatever. You know, I mean, just, you know, it, who, it, it's not, does that equal salvation of any kind? Does it equal my trip to heaven? What if I, what if I cussed them all out, and the Lord said, I'm here. Uh-oh. Can you, just go back outside for just a minute, Lord, just stand, go, stand outside. But just 30 seconds, just, you know, I'll be done 30 seconds, hang on, please forgive me for everything I just said, okay, we go, Lord. I mean, it, I mean, the Lord is at hand, 
Isn't that what it says? The Lord is at hand. You should live that way. The Lord is at hand. Amen? Uh, uh, how many things do, do people do? To, or, you know, the worst thing, I know we've got to go now, but the worst thing is, I didn't do that. They start rewriting history. You ever know people rewrite history? Like, I got a picture of you doing that. It wasn't me. It's you. I got a video of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the AI stuff. It's deep fake, right? You know, we see deep fake stuff. It's just, they got online and just deep faked it. It's like, I was there. No, it wasn't me. What, what do you mean it wasn't? It was you. Now, and, but people, instead of, uh, that's, that's our favorite line from, from uh, Dr. Les Sumrall, right? That uh, He's always amazed at what people will go through uh, and, and how much suffering that they'll go through and put others through to avoid five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. <laughs> because, you know, in the sense that it, it's a shame on them to have to go and admit that they were wrong, right? To go and repent. Uh, and, but it is soul-cleansing, right? Because when you repent, it, it's all gone, right? And see, for me, when I repent, if I do something wrong, you know, and it's been years since I've done anything wrong. I've been perfect for a long time now. But, but uh, when I repent, if I come to you and, and apologize and repent for something that I've done, that's it. You want to hold it over me? It ain't going to hold, hold no sway over me. Don't you remember when you did that uh, a year ago? No. I, I repented for that. I won't rewrite history. I did do that. But, uh, but I'm not giving you another pound of flesh. The Lord's already, uh, I've, I've repented sincerely. And if that's not good enough for you, you know, that's not my problem. Amen? And I, and I live that way. I will sincerely come and repent if the Lord tells me to come and repent to you about something. I will do it, gladly do it, no problem at all. But if you want to hold it over me the rest of my life, only you and the devil are doing that, not the Lord. Amen? Uh, and so the Lord is at hand. So if I need to repent, no problem. Uh, but uh, you're not going to hold it over me, you know. Uh, and we don't do that in our marriage. Don't you remember what you did when you knew, you know, now, I, sometimes I tell stories like when we first got married because, you know, we weren't perfect until, like, we've been married, like, two months after that. We've been perfect, right? Uh, but we tell some stories, you know, but, but uh, there's no ill will and, and no resentment in my heart telling a story. It's just a story, right, of things that I've done or things that Chris has done. Uh, and so I'm not holding, I don't, when, when was the last time I ever said, well, you remember the thing you did? I, I don't do that, right? Uh, and so and I do have a list. When, when it comes up, I, I'm ready, but I haven't done it, right? And, no, I don't have a list. There's no list. Amen? Uh, and so uh, let, your, let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And that's talking about dealing with others. Let everybody see that. You know, and you would think that this would not be a hard thing for the church to do. And yet, how many, how many Christians, uh, you know, you see somebody like, I hope they don't come to my church. You know, because I don't want anybody thinking they come to my church. Right? Uh, and, and so it's not about being perfect, but... You know, it's, it's perfectly easy to be reasonable. Amen? And see, when I read verses like that, see Philippians 4, 5, it changes my life. When I read that, I go, Lord, then where am I not reasonable? And I'll start asking the Lord, Lord, where can I do better about that? That's how we're supposed to change. When we come up to the Word of God and we, and we get a whole 50-minute message on something like this, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be like, man, that was a great message Wednesday. What are you talking about? I had no idea. All right? You know, it should change your life. I understand some things really, you know, really affect you more than others in times and seasons. That's fine. Uh, but see, when I read the Word of God, something like that, that brings pause to my life. And I start evaluating my life. Lord, where am I not that way? Uh, and I have, for me personally, I've had to work hard to become that. You know, people like my wife, it just makes you just mad. She came out of the womb that way. And it's always been that way, right? I've had to work it, you know. I've had to fake it for years until I finally figured out how to do it right. Uh, and then, but you know, some people just, and, and that's just, people, people just turn different ways, right? 
some things that is really easy for me, you know, she's had to work at. You know, some things that are really easy for her, I've had to work out. And that's why I appreciate her in my life, because I can look at her as an example for many things. Well, Lord, I can be like that. I mean, it can't be that hard. She can do it, right? And so, you know, <laughs> uh, and so uh, and it's the same thing for me. I mean, if anybody can do it, then anybody can do it, right? If you can do it, then I can surely do it, right? Uh, and so, and it should be the same thing for you. If, I mean, if you see me doing something, you'll be like, well, he, he's obviously no, no, I was going to say no rocket scientist. I actually was a rocket scientist, but he's no, you know, whatever, Jonas Salk or somebody, uh, you know, then, then uh, uh, if he can do it, then I can do it. And that's really what we want to do is encourage each other that, well, if they can do that, then I can do that. Amen. Uh, and so is the Lord at hand? But Paul said, keep that in back of your mind. Amen. It's, it's a good encouragement to, to always walk the straight and narrow. Amen. Uh, we're not going to be perfect, but keep that in the back of your mind. It'll help along the way. Amen. Uh, so let's pray and thank the Lord for, for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you uh, for your word. Father, we thank you that, that we have the capacity, the ability to let our moderation our reasonableness to be intensive, intensively reasonable to all men, to let them see what it's like to walk as a child of God, to let them see the fruit of our lives, to let them see how even in the midst of conflict and, and disagreement, we can still be reasonable. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Can we do it? Amen. There'll be a test, right? <laughs> uh, you know, more than likely... Uh, between now and next, uh, next Wednesday, God will allow difficulties and suffering in your lives to help you to become reasonable, right? Is that, is, that, uh, is that biblical? No, it's not biblical. We just made that up, right? That's what that one guy said. That's not true at all. Amen? God is not going to teach you how to be reasonable by putting you through difficulties and suffering. He'll teach you about reasonable by just going, don't do that again, right? Uh, and and uh, he'll do that. He's done that to me so many times. Amen? Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this evening's offering. And so don't forget, uh, we'll be here at the church at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Getting everything lined up for our work on Friday. And we'll leave here at uh, 9.30 or around 9.30. I'll, I'll have to text make sure it's okay whenever we get over there. And uh, we'll just work hard and fast and, and get her all done. Amen. Uh, so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, and we've got a, a crew coming in to help us on Friday. Um, you know, they... they uh, um, do that kind of work all the time, right? And so, um, and then this Sunday's our church meal, right? We've got a sign-up sheet back there, amen? So, and it's, and it's uh, uh, Italian, right? Italian, right? Italian. And so, so two weeks from today, we won't have church, and then um, um, I'll remind you about that again next week. If you come here on Wednesday night then, and the door's locked, lights are all off, be a good clue that we're not going to be here, right? So, Two weeks away, yep, two, not next week, but two weeks from today. So, all right, we'll be blessed, and uh, we'll see you, uh, I guess, when we see you. Amen.